Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the voice of all combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? I'm good. Um, we'll get right to, you know what, Ken? I did a lot of tweeting during the fights the other night, and I know what people are waiting for. We do introductions. We go through different things. We go through life. We go through family stuff. We go through the holidays. We do... But... Let's get right to the fights. Um, Haney Prograce, you're, you're going to, you you take us through it, but I just want to yep. probably start it because I did a lot of tweeting. I know it's out there in the air. Matter of fact, quite frankly, if you just watch my tweets, you wouldn't have to watch the fight. You also hit the nail right on the head with the prediction show. I mean, you said exactly, pretty much verbatim what was going to happen, and that is what happened unfortunately yeah, for and, uh, my friend Regis. And listen, I, whether, I forget what the line was that Haney was minus 600, whatever it was. Um, but I, I laid it out where you didn't have to lay that money. If you didn't want to lay or you didn't have that kind of money to lay, um, you could play a parlay. And, you know, I said it. Uh, and the parlay would have made sense. Again, if you have the money to play around and otherwise you shouldn't do anything, you should just watch the fight and enjoy the fight. But if you had the money to play around and win a couple of dollars, you could have played the parlay, parlay of the over and Haney, and then you wouldn't have had to lay an, you know, an inhibitive amount of money um, to to win something. I think it was even money. If you would have played the parlay, you got to win too. But I felt that it was, it was a pretty good proposition and a simple proposition. I thought it would probably go the distance, and I definitely felt Haney would win. And you got even money if you took that proposition. So at the end of the day, nobody really thought it would be another Crawford Spence like mismatch because that's what it was without it being stopped uh it was two guys that really didn't belong in the ring together at the end of the day and not knocking anybody i mean uh progress whether, whether you want to believe progress got old whether you want to believe that uh his best fight was with Josh Taylor a couple of years ago, which I thought it was. I thought that was his best performance. And then Josh Taylor dropped down a little bit as far as the estimation of what he is um, when he got beat by Teofimo Lopez. But either way, he didn't belong in the ring, obviously. You don't need Teddy Atlas to tell you that. I had said that I thought Crawford would dominate Spence. I thought there was a good chance that... Haney would dominate progress. Um, One quick thing before you provide the breakdown, <clears throat> I just want to say that, you know, as as we've discussed on the show before, as a result of the show, I've become very friendly with um, Regis. He's a really nice kid. I had a hard time watching this fight. Yeah, well, he's been on his show. To watch Regis. Yeah, he's been on his show, and he asked me one time to give him a, you know, to talk to him and to give him a fight plan for the fight that he won his second title. And there's a guy who's won two titles. So, you know, he's had a terrific career. Whether he goes on, he doesn't go on, whatever. You know, I'm not saying he can't go on, but he's had a terrific career. Um, and I remember talking to him in his, I mean, I forget who it was, but in his last f title fight, when he won the title, uh, I had basically given him a fight plan. We talked about it. Uh, and not that he needed it, 
but he went out there and he stopped. Uh, what was the guy that he won a second title with? Um, terrific game Mexican fighter. Uh, he stopped him late in the fight. I think he stopped him around 11th round. Zarilla. Yeah. Zarilla or Zapata? I think Zapata. Jose Zapata. Yeah, it was Zapata, right? Um, was it Zapata? Yeah, um, yeah it was, that's where I mean, he won it was the a vacant fight. WBC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was his... It was Zapata. Yeah, it was a fight. It was two fights ago because that's his right. last fight, he had a bad performance. And that, look, that could have been a warning, an omen of what was coming here. But I was putting his last fight, his performance, which was poor, a, really up to the style of guy he fought. He fought a very difficult style fighter in his last fight that controlled range really well, that didn't take any chances, that Pacha was very long, a guy that was running all over the place. So very hard to look good against that guy. and um, But very hard to look good against Haney too. Haney, Haney uh, a couple ways you could describe the performance of Haney. You could say it was surgeon-like, it was mechanic-like, it was machine-like. I think you'd be on a button with all of those. He was so solid, so technical, um, fought such a disciplined fight. And going in, the fight plans for both guys were pretty simple. Haney needed to control range, use a jab, uh, set up traps, set up counters, uh, make you pay for real estate. You try to get three feet close. He charges it three, four punches. Uh, the way I like to put it, um, he was going to be the navigator of the ring, so to speak. Ring generalship was going to have to be controlled by Haney. Geometry was going to be a key. The geometry or the turf war, if you will, was going to be for Haney to control the outside and for Prograis to get inside. If he couldn't get inside, he couldn't win. And the one thing that I would say that he didn't help himself with Prograis, when he did get inside those few times, he allowed himself to be tied up. He had to do some damage because he wasn't going to do it on the outside. But all credit to Haney, he had full control in all regions of the fight. And again, if you're going to get inside, it wasn't enough just to get close for the fight plan of progress. You had to get close clean without taking on a lot of incoming damage on the way in. He couldn't do that. And part of what I pointed out in our last episode and in the fight plan, I hope people watched it, was that I thought there was a flaw in Prograis where he moves his head well, but he does it from too far away and where he could get pot-shotted, especially by a guy who's a sharpshooter. And Haney, make no mistakes about it, he's a sharpshooter. And he sharpshooted him. He he target-practiced him. He pot-shotted him. Where the head movement a little too far away, where he could time him, he timed him. See, the head movement is supposed to be, if I get a chance to teach, I teach. The head movement is supposed to be close enough where when you make the guy miss, you're close enough to hit him. So you got to get close enough, no risk, no reward. You got to take the chance, kind of like a baseball player at bat, where you got to wait for that ball at the last second to move, bang, then you swing. A little too soon, the curveball, you miss it. The sinker, you miss it. A little too late, the fastball gets past you. Just 
has to be right timing. And that means discipline. That means control. That means being calm in an uncalm area. And that's what it was all about with a pro grace where you have, and he's done it well many times, but on this particular night with a sharpshooter, a guy who could take advantage of that floor, when you make your move from too far away, he knows you're not close enough to hit him. So he he's safe. So he pot shots you before he lets you get close enough to be able to make a miss and hit him. And that's exactly what transpired, where Prograce showed his head movement too soon. He never got a chance to get close. He got timed. He got sniped all night long on the way in. And to the credit of Haney, he kept that margin. He kept that distance just right. When he had to take little steps back, he moved his feet back. When he had to move his feet to the sides, brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliant with his hands, brilliant with his feet, moving to the side, making a miss, navigating around the the ring. If you needed a definition of ring generalship, just watch Haney. He gave it to you. He did every, and he went to the body enough uh, also to keep Prograis something to slow him down for the later rounds. Uh, it was amazing that Prograis survived. Part of the reason he survived his heart. Part of the reason he survived, Haney's not the seek and destroy kind of guy. And to his benefit, in this, in this case where if he stepped it up, I'm sure a lot of you great fans were thinking this. If he stepped it up a little bit, he would stop Prograis. But that's not his temperament. And if he stepped it up a little bit, maybe he puts at risk something he don't have to put at risk. I thought his father, who's his trainer, and him figured there was no need to step it up in that kind of way. Because if you did, you're giving Prograis maybe a chance to then catch you as maybe you're engaging a little too much or getting a little too close during your engagement. So he played it He played it just the way it was to be played, to win the fight. And, and could he have gotten a stoppage again? Maybe, probably, possibly. But that would have taken him away a little bit from what he is. He's a disciplined boxer. He is, he is, and he showed that discipline, which also breeds consistency. Discipline breeds consistency, and he showed that all night long. That's it. If you had been in Progray's corner, <clears throat> and I'm not trying to be critical of his trainers, but I didn't feel like there was any like concrete instruction, do this, step over here, do this. It was just like very broad strokes of like step to your right, what would you have said, told Progre after like two, three rounds? What did you see that he could have done differently, if anything? Or do you think he just, whatever he tried, Haney was just too much? I would have wanted him to use the jab more, to press behind the jab instead of just head movements. Press behind, and the jab not from the middle, from the sides, like, like Tyson was taught to do. You slip to the head, boom. Slip to the side, boom, you jab. Slip to the side, boom, you jab. This way, if his jab's coming, you make it miss and you counter with yours. That would have been number one. Number two, and most important for me, that was missing, the feints, the art of feinting, where 
He should have. He's in there with a counterpuncher. He's in there with a guy who relies on timing. He's within there with a guy who controls range and distance. So screw him up in that way. Screw up that timing. Screw up that judging of distance by giving him a little feint so he makes the move a little too soon. He steps out, you know, controlling the range a little too soon. Then you can go and get him. Then you're not falling into holes. Then you're not falling into traps. Make him show his hand. Make him show, like playing cards. Make the guy show his hand. And then you know what to do. You know, and that that would have been the main thing. A little fade, throw his rhythm off. Throw his timing off a little bit. Fade him, make, make him move too soon. Make him a little jittery. And then come with what you have to come with behind the jab. And um, the one other thing I would have done would have used the feints to freeze him and then get angles. Because he was in front of him too much. Yeah, he was too predictable. Where he's coming at him the same way, the same way, the same way. Faint, freeze, freeze Haney a little bit, and then slide to the right, slide to the left, and come from an angle. Um, listen, at the end of the day, Haney had all the answers. Credit to him and his father. Well-prepared uh, fight plan uh, and, and, and mind plan. His mind was focused. Uh, he was he was laser like focused, uh, in in that area. All credit to him. It seemed like every time Regis tried to throw a left hand, he was reaching, and also he would immediately square up and be standing right in front for a counter. It just didn't look comfortable at all. None of them, and uh, it was it was interesting the way Haney was countering because, like I say, he couldn't seem to get off with a left hand at all. Did you notice that every time he threw the left, he was then square standing directly in front of him, kind of with no head movement after the left or no no jabbing to get in and out? Yeah, listen, you're talking about the most important part of a fighter probably. If you own a house, what's the most important part of the house? Foundation. If your foundation ain't good, the upstairs ain't going to be good, you know. And so you're talking about footwork. Um, yeah, you obviously... That has to be in concrete, so to speak, way ahead of time. And those things have to be formed in the gym. Those habits have to be formed in the gym, not the night of a fight uh, where yeah. you don't get squared up. Uh, you're, you're touching on something that you're not wrong, but the correction of those things have to be done way before the fight, obviously. And um, listen, besides everything else I said, Haney was too good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, sometimes it's that's simple too, but uh, I, I think that I laid it out the best way I can. Haney and Tiafimo Lopez, who wins? You know, I, I love to see that because that would be great technique. Good talent too in Haney, but that would be great technique of Haney against great natural ability of Tiafimo. And instincts, natural ability, quick twitch, quick twitch fibers, ability, um, great instincts, power. You know, he's got more power, natural power than Haney does. Haney can punch a little bit, but he's not the next level of puncher. Um, yeah, I would, I would love to see, I would love to see that fight again for that reason that I just laid out to see which one wins. Uh, it'd be very... Put it this way. I think in that fight, 
there's always mistakes usually made. Sometimes someone will fight a perfect fight. Haney probably fought a perfect fight the other night. Sometimes mistakes will be made. I would tell you right now that I would think that Teofimo could survive mistakes that night. I don't know that Haney could. Haney would have to, yeah, again, good point. have to have what I would say would be a perfect performance. And I'll tell you, since you touched on that fight, I put out a couple of fights that I'd love to see. I, I, I'd love to see Haney and Tank. I know he went That's up the away. one I was going to ask you about next. Yeah. What do you think there? What's the breakdown? I don't think anyone beats Tank Davis. I, I think that much for Tank Davis. Maybe not outside the ring. I hope he's getting better in that area, quite frankly. But in the ring, I don't, I don't think any of these guys beat Tank. I think he's that good. He's that good a puncher where you can't make a mistake. And he's that good of an athlete as far as pure talent. And technically and cerebrally in that ring where he finds a way, where he does what has to be done. He's patient. He's not just a sick and destroy missile. He's patient. He takes little steps. If he has to not come forward, he won't come forward. He'll move around for a while. He'll find the key to the door. Uh, if he has to give ground, he'll give ground. He'll set traps. Uh, I, I, I think that much of Tank Davis in the ring. I don't know how long he'll stay at that level because of his outside... Uh, influences and and ways in life or, or behavior in life. I don't know. I hope it's good. I don't know. But uh, I don't know. I, I would love, I'd love to see a combination of any of, any of these four or five fighters um, that you just mentioned, obviously, uh, Tank Davis... I want to see Haney, Teofimo, Garcia. I'd like to see Ryan Garcia because I want to know if he belongs or going to belong at the next level. I, I want to know. You know, I mean, you give him his comeback fight, you just gave it to him. All right. I know he's popular and I know that, you know, he he brings eyeballs Um and, and crossover eyeballs because he's popular on social media. He's good looking, the whole thing. And that's great. But purely boxing. I want to know if he belongs with this level of competition. So I'd like to see any of this mix. Haiti, Teofimo, Tank, Garcia, and one other. One other guy. He deserves to be in there. And he's not being mentioned. And I don't think anybody wants to mention him. Because you can't make money with him right now. And he's and he is a towering inferno, even though he's a short little guy. He's not that short, but you know, at his weight class, one hundred forty pounds. He's a he's an he's a furnace. He he. You want to get ready for him? Go go jump in a fire. You get ready for him. Go 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 jump into open up one of those old fashioned furnaces and and jump in. That's how you get ready for Matthias. Matias. Oh, yeah. That's wow. how you get ready yes, for him. Yes. I want to see him. And the fight that I would pay money, I would pay too much money to see him in tank. I would, I would, oh, yeah. That fight, I would, there was a day that when Lomachenko was a little younger, I would have loved to see Lomachenko in tank. Now I'd love to see tank and Matias. I would love to, oh, my goodness. But, 
any of those five, Fanny, Teofimo, Tank, Matias, Garcia, bring them on. Mix them in there. Where do you put um, Jack Catterall in this? He's number one ranked in the uh, 140-pound division in the um, ESPN's rankings, and he doesn't ever get any mention. Um, Let him dip his toe. Let him dip. He hasn't dipped his toe in that end of the pool yet. Let him dip his toe, you know, not... That's not not in the Pacific Ocean that I just talked about. Well, where do you rank? Then how do there. you rank? You you don't include Josh Taylor in that group of elite guys there, no. one thirty five, one forty or something. No, no. But I interesting. I, I I would I would like to see give him a career salvaging fight, if if you will, where he let him fight one of these guys, and if he pops up on a great night and and he and he wins and he shows. Uh, glimpse of what he showed a couple years ago great he's back in the mix uh you know that's fine but as far as me right now believing that josh taylor is with these guys no not right now although i'd like to i'd like to see him with garcia though because i don't know yeah i don't know that garcia's with these guys i just want to find out where do you put? Where do you rank Stevenson, Shakur Stevenson, amongst these guys? Do you include him in that upper echelon, or yes. is he like on the next level? No, no, he's he's there, but I'm not interested in really. I I am interested. I want to see him do his magic with some of these guys, like a Tank Davis. Yeah, even though he's bigger than yeah. Tank, let him do his magic. And his magic is is to be a magician. He's David Copperfield. He, I'm here. I'm disappear on you. You know, um, not that that makes exciting fights. It doesn't. But it also doesn't mean he's not talented. He's very talented. He controls range. He's hard to hit. You know, he can be a magician in there. Uh, you know, I like magicians except when they do disappearing acts. That, you know, that <laughs> I, I, in the ring, I don't want a guy doing a disappearing act. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for being so forward and honest and brutally, uh, you know, candid about it. I'm sorry. But that's what I, I appreciate his boxing abilities that he can do what a pitcher can do in baseball and disarm a batter, remove the bat from his hands, change speeds, you know, go in and out. Never throw a, a ball over 80 miles an hour, but but still control the hitter by moving the ball around. That's masterful. I appreciate that, but that's not what I want to pay a ticket for. I want to see somebody that does that, but let them do it the way Mayweather did it. Let them do it the way Pinnell Whitaker did it, that, that were great defensive wizards, but they also wanted to go and get you. They also wanted to find a way to do what was there to be done. Not just the mentality. I think the mentality of Stevenson is to do just enough to get through and get, yeah. you know, and to get the win. Of these top guys, Tank, um, Tiafimo, Devin Haney, and um, who else did we include? Matias. Who's been in with the best competition? Who do you think has the best resume right now? Well, I mean, Teofimo's been in there. Haney's been in That's there. That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Teofimo and Haney seem to be on a different level. Tank has been in there, you know. But who's Tank been in with that's in that, like, upper echelon? He hasn't fought the Lomachenkos, et cetera. Yeah, no. Yeah, Tank's... Let's see. I don't have his... Hold on. I don't I'll have his... Um, I'll, give you, um, I'll give you Tank's last five opponents. 
He's got Ryan Garcia, oh. Hector Luis Garcia, Raleigh good Romero, fighter. Isaac Cruz, right. Mario a, Isaac Cruz, good, solid guy. Good, solid. That's enough for me. That's enough for me. I, 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 I'm, I'm on tank side. Yeah. I'm on tank side. I guess he's, he's been. I guess he has. He, he has. fought an aging Gamboa. Leo Santa Cruz was nice when he fought him and he dismantled him. I thought that Leo Santa Cruz fight. Leo looked really good early, and then just got caught and like starched. He also beat Barrios. Yeah. Come on, he's the top yes. of the. You're way off here, Ken. Way oh, off. Oh, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just. I'm. I wanted to hear what you thought of the the resumes. No, Tank Davis is probably. He might be number one in that. Now that you reminded me of those guys, um, he he's. He has fought. He has fought good, solid guys. He. There's nothing you can take away from that with Tank. Nothing. Nothing. And Devin, Devin went down to Australia twice, beat Cambosis. He fought Lomachenko. Now he fought Pro Grays. Prior to that, Linares, Gamboa. Yeah. Like I said, uh, the, uh, Garcia hasn't. You know, when he, he stepped up with Tank and he came up short. And Matias is the only guy that you could probably question. But I'm not questioning him. I, I feel I know what yeah. this guy is. I know what he is. Uh, he might get beat by a guy on the outside that won't let him do his inside stuff, won't let him burn the hell out of you, won't let him burn your house down, because that's what he does. He burns yeah. your house down. He does. But <laughs> um, until that happens, I want to see him. I want to see this guy, Matias. I do. I'm a fan of his. And the other thing is Teofimo Tio jumped in there with Vasily Lomachenko, I feel like, when no one really wanted to get in there with them, like, uh, you know, in 19, four years ago, and beat him. Yeah, and then he fell off with the Cambosis fight. Yeah, that's right. And then he came and then he came back with a terrific win against Josh Taylor. Yeah, and he beat Sandor Martin. You know, with Teofimo, it's an X factor. It's his outs it's his yeah. it's his life, it's his father, it's all that. Look, his father his father helped get him there. You can't you can yes. you can hate his father. And a lot of people hate him. But his father helped <laughs> get him there. He did. He helped get him there. He acts cuckoo and all that. Uh but he got him there. But and and Tio Fimo knows that. But the father can also obviously now that he's there, you could also attach some of his problems with the father. You know, where uh it's distracting, he's not in the right mental frame, whatever it is with his personal life, you know, um that you know, has gone a little up and down, if you will. I don't wanna go judging his personal life when I only know a little bit about it. Um but I think it's fair to say that his father could be his greatest strength and also his greatest weakness at the same time where he's he impacts him in an emotional, mental way. When it's a good way, you got the good to your female. If it's not, then then you're not sure what you're going to get. So that's, that's an X factor. Of all those guys, there's a lot of dads involved, right? You got Bill Haney with Devin. You've got uh, Lopez, like you just said. You also got Loma with his dad. Tank has a father figure, and his trainer has been with him since the jump. Interesting combination. I think Camboso's dad was coaching him um, or heavily involved. It's an uh, sure. interesting weight that. class in that in that regard. Yeah, or no. If he wasn't training him, I feel like George Cambosa's dad was heavily involved in the career, like involved in the management and uh, and the training. I think. Well, you would know. Then you know that better than me because I don't know. It's possible, but I just don't know. 
Not sure on the Cambosos, but certainly on the others. And I know Tank thinks of his trainer as a father figure. Sure. But uh, it's just an interest, interesting one there that there are a lot of dads involved there. As a dad, having your kids in combat sports, speaking from my limited experience with my youngest son, I, I, I don't know how much longer I can stay too close to this. It's just too heart-wrenching. It's, you, when your children are involved, it hurts so much more than if you're fighting yourself. I'd rather get thrown, run over by a train than see my kid lose a decision. It's just so incredibly difficult to control your emotions when, you, when it's your child. In the ring or in, the, in wrestling, it's... It's trying. It's, I, I don't like it at all. So credit to those guys for figuring out a way to make it work. Listen, I'll, I'll, put, a, I'll put a stamp on this. The best stamp I can put on it. Everything you said, it's very, you could point a finger to fighters and fathers very successful in this business and others not so successful. And others, where is the success judge? <laughs> is it by what they did in the ring or the way it ends? Because sometimes they're successful in a way that they get to the promised land in the ring and become champions, but then they don't have a relationship after that. So for me, that's not a success. For me, yeah. so you have to look at the whole, the of entirety course. of this combustible relationship with a father, son, in combat sports. And and when I say that's put a, a put a stamp on it, here's the stamp. You know why? I got the answer. Why? The answer, yes, yeah, some fathers, it works better than others. But the answer why is because you're treading into an area that is really a no trespassing area for fathers. and But they trespass anyway. And what I mean by that is that, and, I, and I'm saying and understanding that some do a great job, but some ruin their relationships and, and, and it doesn't pay off. It, it, it's not worth it. But when I say a no trespassing area, a father's most important job in life from the, the infancy, the, the creation of their child, from the moment their child takes a breath, is to protect the child. And, and when you put them into this situation, you're putting them into a situation that's anti what is against completely what a father's job is in every way by by nature itself to protect its being to protect its creation and you're putting them to keep them out of harm's way no matter what that's your job and what you're actually doing and you're not doing it in a way where it's criminal or you have criminal intent. We understand that. But, but the action is still the same. You were putting them into harm's way. You're doing it. And that is where it becomes difficult. That's the dilemma. Is you want him to be able to protect himself and do something that he likes and, and test himself as a young, as a boy, as a man. And then... God forbid he fails the test, you feel exactly like what you just described. Like, I did this to him. I put him in this position to have him get physically or more importantly, emotionally hurt. The physical hurt, it's almost like easier to handle than seeing him sad, embarrassed, uh, 
downtrodden. It's 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 an emotional roller coaster and one that I don't really enjoy. And trying to find that balance, at least for myself, has been difficult. That's why I wanted to hear your take because obviously I've seen you in that position with most recently with Alex Vosdick, and I know how you feel about the kid. And to see him, you know, suffer the lost art of better be of in hindsight now having my own child compete is almost more heartbreaking because I know the pain that comes with seeing your charge get hurt. Even emotionally, like I said, the emotional hurt is much worse than the physical hurt, but credit to anyone that could figure out a a way to make it work. I think of Joe Calzaghe and his dad as one of the most successful combinations. But um, anyway... That's a conversation for another day. A lot of them have done well. Lomachenko's father did pretty damn well. As long that, as that's fair. As long yeah, as we're grading guys, you might as well throw yeah, him. Yeah, in yeah. There. No, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Um, Xander Zayas and uh, Jorge Fortilla. This was a great fight. I really enjoyed it. Um, first career homecoming fight for the South Florida-based uh, Puerto Rican Zayas. Scores a fifth-round knockout over Spain's Jorge Fortilla. Got two knockdowns. Um, the second, which got the full 10-count fight, at one, ends at 137 of the fifth rounds. Um, what would you think of this one? From the a place that produce, we always talk about Mexico producing great, great, great fighters, and they do, and they have, and they got a great history. Shouldn't forget Puerto Rico. <laughs> they produce great, great fighters, and they have a great history with it, too. And Zayas is trying to be part of that history now. He was 17-0, 11 KOs going in, 21, 21 years old. Um, he's the hot Puerto Rican prospect now from that hot area, that little tiny island that produces so many great fighters, just like that little town in Dominican Republic that produces so many great Major League Baseball players. Who knows what it is? It's water. They, they drink there, or is it just the history and the the what the importance of that in the way out that boxing presents itself to be uh, to those kids that put on the gloves, whether it's in Mexico or Puerto Rico, and want to be a champion. And part of it's the history. They want to be a champion like other great champions from their land. I think that's part of what pushes them and inspires them. Either way, Zayas, uh, Zayas, 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 I don't know, but... um. Uh, I'd say Zayas, Zayas. But Zayas is the latest to come from there. It was a complete one-sided fight against Fortilla. Uh, the thing about Zayas is he can he's a junior middleweight. He could probably move up to middleweight and maybe even light heavyweight. He's 21 years old. He's tall. He's long. He's got a great frame uh, that's he can grow into to bigger weight classes as I just suggested. I like the way he goes to the body, he uses his jab. Um, the only thing I didn't like, he leads with left hooks in front every once in a while. Somebody's going to have a right hand with his name on it if he doesn't correct that one of these days. Uh, he he counters when he has to counter. Uh, the, the knockdown, his first knockdown of the fight was, I think it was in the uh, second round uh, where I I don't know I think it was I'm I'm not sure what was the first knockdown I know I know he stopped him in the fifth right um but yeah I'm checking I, to see I what thought the, he scored a knockdown, knockdown was. but the first knockdown I could still describe what it was he he threw 
up top and then he finished underneath. Kind of like Mickey Ward with his left hook. He used to go up top to get you to move your elbow a little bit up and then come back down real quick. And that's one real, real quick. Zayas hit him with a body shot um, at the end of the right at the close of the first round and caused Fortia to take a knee. Yeah. So the first, the end of the first round, beautiful setup, nice combination up top, and then came down with the left hook, and he he basically finished him also with a body shot, um, which is which is great to see the teaching, not just the talent of the young fighter. But the teaching, the the technique, uh, the the worth of going to the body that's being taught by his teachers, uh, that that was impressive. Uh, I, again, he's long, he's tall, he controls range. Uh, I like the way he moves his feet back uh, when he has to uh, to control range. It keeps himself in position where he's in charge, where he can use those physical assets to their utmost to make you reach to get to him, where he's got the edge on you. He can hit you before you hit him. Uh, I I also, one of the impressive things about him, a guy that he's very busy. Uh, he's, he's very, very, remind me of Paul Williams, uh, God bless yep. Paul Williams. He he was a world champion, welterweight, very tall, and then he then he got injured uh, in an accident. And he got paralyzed. Uh, awful, awful. But Paul Williams was a guy that threw a lot of punches, and he reminds me a little bit of Zayas. Reminds me a little bit of him. Very busy guy. Uh, very busy as as well as maintaining technique. Not busy in a sloppy way, not busy in a way where he gives up defense, really. Busy in a cerebral way, in a smart way. Um, so at the end of the day, look, we can't go and put him in Canastota yet because with the great Puerto Rican fight because <laughs> we don't know what he was in there with. It was one-sided. There wasn't one moment that it was competitive. It was a one-sided Beat That's down. a perfect summation. It's yeah. hard to tell when he's really, just wailing on someone. It was one-sided, but to his credit, he made it one-sided because right. he threw so many punches, he never really gave Fortilla a chance to come out of his shell. Never allowed him to come out of his shell where you know, he, he could have shown possibly some flaws in the defense of Zayas. So his offense was his defense uh, I guess is what I'm saying with Zayas. He can't always be his defense when he steps up there with better fighters. Uh, he's going to have to have you know traditional defensive mechanisms in place. But from what I saw, I was impressed. Uh, nice, solid guy. Um, I want to see him in there the next level now where maybe we can actually see a little bit more behind the curtain. Yeah, very fair. One quick thing before we continue, Teddy. New Year is coming up and start the new year off right with your resolution to take control of your own personal health. There's no better supplement to help you on this journey than Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas. Again, use promo code atlas. They'll send you 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. Um, 
the value the the travel packs are invaluable especially if you're uh, on the road occasionally whether you're an athlete or a, or a finance professional or any kind of professional you need to be taking care of your health and wellness especially when traveling and your immune system might be compromised athletic greens is the all-in-one green drink made from 75 whole food source ingredients there's no better source of vitamins than real food. And Athletic Greens has taken that to the next level. There's a reason that they're one of the top green drinks in the world. They uh, they make the best product. They don't compromise. Teddy and I have been taking Athletic Greens for a few years now. It's um, worked wonders for me, I think. And um, we'd like to offer that special offer to all of our listeners athleticgreens.com slash atlas get the 10 free travel packs with your first purchase <clears throat> and with that let's jump into the one, one thing before we jump in there i made a note to myself where the punch stats i just got to say one thing i'm trying to not they've been around a million years uh the guys that invented them made a a great living out of them a uh, great cottage industry out of them and they give you something else to put up there for the producers and directors of boxing to put up there on the screen okay fine all good uh, fine but i i just had to make a little note i just got finished saying right if you didn't see it you don't need you you know what i'm saying if you if you saw it if you didn't see it all you need to know is what i just said Zayas won every round. It was a one-sided fight, right? Where Zayas is just throwing all the punches, keeping Fatia defensive for the most part all night. And one thing I couldn't help but notice, when they put the punch stats up, Ken, at the end, 144 total punches for Fatia. Where? Where? Just from what I just described, he, he was... He was shell-shocked all night. He was covered up all night. Where did 144 punches come from? I, I don't know. I, I just had to say that. I know nobody else is going to say anything like that. And I'm not knocking punch stats. Good. Keep, it's been around forever or a long time. Uh, it's fun. No problem. But, man, I'd like to... I'd like to see that 100. For fun one day, I don't have the time to do things like punch count. I got grandchildren. I got other jobs. I got other things to do. But one day just for fun, I might sit around and, and just take the number they put up and then say, okay, let me watch it again and see if I can find 144 punches. I don't know. Anyway, Ramirez Espinosa, small ring. I'm going to let you set it up. What was it, a 16-foot ring? A small ring obviously was supposed to help the champion, the two-time Olympian Ramirez, uh, Olympic gold medalist Ramirez, supposed to help. He was small. Two-time. Two-time two, Olympic yeah, two gold time, That's what I thought I said. Two-time Olympic champion, just like, uh, just like Lomachenko, very rare. Two-time Olympic gold medalist. And he comes from that... Again, from an island that brings produces great fighters, uh, Cuba, and he he's a shorter guy. Espinosa is incredibly tall and long, so you figure the sh small ring the the promoters set it up to help Ramirez uh, at the end of the day because they wanted him in a phone booth because they figured. 
that they want him to get close to the taller guy. Don't give the taller guy any room to move. At the end of the day, it actually might have backfired on him. But go ahead. Take it from there. Yeah, unheralded Mexican featherweight comes in at 22-0 and with 18 knockouts. I, cl- I think that the Ramirez camp clearly, uh, I don't know if they did their Did he come in 22-0? and 0? He came in 21-0, and 0, and he left 22-0. Yeah, and 0. sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yep, 18 knockouts, 17 coming in, and um, what an awesome fight. I mean, at one point, it looked Ramirez, like Ramirez you got to say Ramirez's record. He was 13-1. and one. His only loss was his pro debut, which is extraordinary. Pro debut, yeah, yep. And then he, he came back from that in short period of time, and he wins the world title, you know, became world champion. He's a southpaw, by the way, Ramirez, and he was, you know, he was the big favorite. Big favorite. Minus 1,500 favorite, uh, prohibitive favorite. And um, I I didn't expect much here. I thought it literally would be a typical, like, one-sided walkover. But holy cow, did this kid Espinosa came to fight. Also had to get off the canvas. Like I said, early on, to me, it looked like... Uh, you know, the kid was having moments, but as soon as Ramirez got to him, I was like, oh, this is over before it even starts. Espinosa, good showing, but it looks like he's going to be out of there. And my God, did he come on strong, scoring a knockdown in the last round. He ends up getting the majority decision. The scorecards were 115-111, 114-112, and 113-113. It was very close, I thought, but it was nice to see the... Um, the underdog get the win here with the way he closed the show. I love this fight. I think everyone loves a good underdog story. But how'd you like it? What'd you think? What's next for Espinosa? Is he for real? Or was or did Rubisi Ramirez just not come in prepared? No, Ramirez was prepared. Espinosa was prepared to not leave that ring without the belt. You saw firsthand an exhibition of pure will. Will versus skill, and Will always wins. I always say that. Customato used to tell me that. It's so true. And Will wins. You saw Espinosa made a pact with himself. He was obsessed. He was obsessed with winning that title. You hear the sayings, I'm not leaving the ring without that title, but, you know, I'll leave. You're going to have to kill me. I'm going to leave on my shield. But rarely do you witness it. I witnessed it. We witnessed it. We witnessed the truth behind behind those statements when Espinosa got in that ring and refused to leave, even though he was being asked to leave. And not gently. Not gently. He refused to leave without that title. And if that fight was 10, 15 seconds longer, he knocks out Ramirez. And Ramirez was terrific. He he showed great heart of a champion. He wanted to keep that title. But Espinosa wanted to get it a little more. A little more. You, You saw what a great will is. When a person, he, he made himself the immovable object, the unstoppable force. That's what he became. You know, my grandchildren watch these superhero movies all the time where, where one of them becomes Johnny Torch, becomes the Torch, the other one becomes, you know, uh, whatever it is that they become 
the superpower, the superpower of Espinosa. It's the superpower of all of us. That all of you could be a superhero. You don't realize it, but all of you, that you can become that person possessed with a will to conquer something, to overcome something, to be something, to attain something. And that's what he was. He, he was the superhero that became the unstoppable force. That should be a new superhero out there, the unstoppable force. You know, he, that's what he became. He he became the person from from the you know what was what's the one the mutant the where where storm where she creates storms. He created his own storm of will, and he he was not leaving that ring without the belt, and he got it. He um. He fought right, he fought wrong. It didn't matter. He fought with that kind of undeniable force and will. So it made up for anything he did wrong technically. He's tall as heck at this weight, ridiculously tall. And he's supposed to fight on the outside. And he did in spots. He won the first four rounds going away. <laughs> Ramirez, uh, Espinosa, controlling to fighting tall, which you'd have to know how to do using his length, staying at the right outside distance. He did it brilliantly, and then he didn't do it. And then he got caught. And then it looked like it was going to be his downfall in the fifth round, the end of the fifth round. He was winning that round easy. And then he gets dropped by the shorter Espinosa, uh, the shorter Ramirez, who wanted to keep his title. And it was time to act like it. So he went and he acted like it. And he saw a mistake. He saw an opportunity. And he jumped in there with a southpaw hook, right hook, and he dropped Espinosa. And Espinosa got saved by it happening at the end of the round. When people are destined to be champion, there's destiny on their side. Things like that happen. It happened. It could have happened earlier. It happened just before the bell. Because it was destiny for him to fulfill and to become champion. But he had to fulfill it. He had to go out there for the next eight rounds, whatever, seven rounds, and fulfill it. But he, destiny gave him the chance to fulfill it. And then he came back in the sixth round. Then he had a tough seventh. I think it was the seventh round. Seventh to eighth, he had a tough round again. He got caught some big shots again. He survived that again. And then he no longer for tall he did it the wrong way but the right way is that he refused to be denied so it didn't matter he could have did it standing on his head one foot up in the air uh, one one hand you know behind it didn't matter he was he was determined that he was gonna get it done so yeah, he fought too close. And he got hit some punches fighting too close, but he made it right. So he stopped fighting tall, and now he started fighting short with those long arms, with all that height, with going right into Ramirez's wheelhouse, right into his turf. You know, it was, it was kind of like the, what was that famous movie? Um, that great famous movie, uh, the Jets, the Jets, the Jets, the Jets. Yeah, you know, where they had the turf war. 
that turned into that great musical, right? And um, it was like a Romeo and Juliet love story, but between a Latino girl and a and a and I guess a white kid. It was like a Romeo and Juliet. Well, what was the name of it? Uh, what was it? West Side Story. Oh, West Side Story. And and yet the Jets. What was the other gang? Yeah, you had the Jets versus the other gang. And they go, we're gonna be a jet. You wanna be a jet. You wanna be a jet. And and they get into this, the sharks, the jets and the sharks. <laughs> the voice of God, uh, Rob Moore, our, our producer. And and Infinite here, wisdom. And here you are, and a computer too. And here you are, uh, <laughs> the jets and the sharks. One thing Teddy Atlas don't have a computer. And the jets and the sharks. And it's a turf war. And they go right into their turf. Well, that's what this was. It was a turf war. And Espinosa, to win, he said, I'll go into Ramirez's turf. And he did. This tall, lanky, thin, skinny guy went inside and took the title. Took everything Ramirez had to offer, handed it to him, offered it to him, said, here, I'm here. I'm on your turf. If I'm going to leave here with the title, it's got to be on your terms. On, on, where I'm going to do it on your turf. I'm going to do it here. I ain't going to do it outside with my long, long arms where you can never get to me. I'm doing it right here. And he did. He did. He outworked him. Man, he throws a lot of punches, Espinosa. He outworked him. He outfought him. And, and Ramirez did himself proud. He did himself and all the great fighters from Cuba did them all proud. But Espinosa was unstoppable. Again, another movie reference for Denzel Washington with that train that was unstoppable. They couldn't stop the train. They couldn't stop the train. <laughs> Rob, get these up if you get a chance. You're the best. As, <laughs> Espinosa was the train. Unstoppable. Well, took the track away, he kept going. No track, it's okay. I'll keep going. <laughs> and he went inside with Ramirez and he just wouldn't stop. And it was a great fight. It was a great fight. At the end of the day, Espinosa had to come back in the late rounds. He won the early rounds. Then Ramirez took the late middle rounds. And then the very late rounds, Espinosa had to take him. And he did. He did. He took the late rounds. And then he took, it was funny, I was looking at the writer who's with ESPN, and, and he put his scorecard up, and he had the... Carpenter? He, no, if, no, I forget. Um, for ESPN, but anyway, it don't matter. He put his scorecard up on on a, you know, on a board, and he had it even. He had given the eleventh round to Ramirez to Chairman. I said, "How could you give the eleventh round to Ramirez?" Uh, Espinosa won the whole round. He got caught a good shot at the very end, just before the bell. He ate it, but other than that, he 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 won that eleventh round, and on one punch. I can see how these, these things get screwed up. On one punch, the one you remember, and that's how he remembered. He remembered that the 11th round, the end, that Ramirez scored a punch. He forgot that Espinosa was scoring all the punches for the whole round before that. So he gave the 11th. So he had it even going into the 12th. Espinosa took care of business. It didn't matter how you scored. It didn't matter what you saw, what you didn't see. It didn't matter. Espinosa was like the kid. That, Don't worry, I got it. I got this. 
And he went out there and he wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. He wouldn't stop. And he hurt Ramirez, who's a great, great fight, great round. He wouldn't stop. And he broke Ramirez down. And he dropped Ramirez with like, I don't know, how a short amount of time left in the round, towards the end of the round. And then Ramirez yeah, got up. Ramirez behaved like the champion that he is. He fought like him. He behaved like a champion. He got up. And then Espinosa went right back to work. And then just Ramirez stayed on his feet, barely stayed on his feet. Espinosa would have stopped him if there was 10, like I said earlier, 10, 15, 20 seconds maybe more left in the round. Uh, the funny thing about it was earlier in the fifth round, Espinosa was saved by the bell, like I said, when he dropped, when he got dropped by Ramirez at the end of the fifth. And Ramirez got basically saved by the bell too uh, by getting dropped at the very end of the 12th round. I guess the boxing gods didn't want either one of these guys to be on the ground when the final bell rang. He, the yeah. boxing gods wanted both of them to stand erect as the great fighters that they are to, and the proud fighters that they are. And and I finished with what I touched on before, that they they knew how to fight like champions and they knew how to behave like champions and it rubbed off on the judges for once. For once. The judges behaved like judges and they got it right because I was afraid, what are they going to do? They're going to rob this Espinosa, but they didn't. All right, Teddy, hot off the presses. You ready for this one? Breaking news here. Not reporting first, but Chris Mannix reporting that Subriel Matias and Tiafimo Lopez, June 7th, 8th weekend, Puerto Rican Day Parade, New York City, could be going down. I hope so. In substantive talks, looks like it might get done. That is a freaking rumble. What a great spot. What a great date. Puerto Rican Matias against Puerto Rican America. I think that's where his dad's from. Tiafimo's dad is from Puerto Rico, I believe. I think that's his heritage. No, no, but it's not. Freaking... It's not. It's not. It's not. We oh, gotta, no, you're right. We got to get South this America, right. America, right? Yeah. yeah, right. Hold on. Hold on. You're right. That's it. Dad's from uh, Lopez was born to Honduran immigrants. Both his parents are from Honduras. My yep. bad. Apologies right, to no the Puerto problem. Rican crowd. Oh, we got it right. But nevertheless, nevertheless, he's... Uh, that would be an incredible fight on Puerto Rican Day Parade weekend in New York City. Holy cow. And that is a hell of a fight. Hey, listen, wow, you know what? would be nice if that gets made. What's great is the coincidence of that we that I just talked about that, what, that's 20, right. 20 minutes ago, half hour ago? That's right. Uh, that, that's what, what did I say? I had five guys yep. in a mix, yep. and Teofimo and Matias were in that mix. I said, I want to see Matias with any of these guys and yeah maybe we'll get our wish all right teddy big fight coming up this weekend from the ufc uh big pay-per-view coming from vegas colby covington leon edwards i'll get you the line as we uh let's do the breakdown first then i want to get your uh prediction and we'll give the um the line from our friends at my bookie but Man, this is a, uh, anytime Colby Covington fights, it's a promotional um, masterpiece. The guy, whether you love him or hate him, you either tune in to see him win or to see him lose, but he certainly brings eyeballs. What are you looking for out of uh, Colby and Leon? No, uh, looking for Col Colby to make it a war. He thrives in that 
fire in that atmosphere, that environment. And for Edwards to slow it down, to make it more about being concise and accuracy, kind of like a Haney, where, you know, he wants to be technically superior, uh, which he is. Where I love both guys. Edwards has been on our show. The first thing I'll say about Edwards is he's better than even before because once you win the title, I always said, the old timers always told me you become 30% better. And Edwards proved that. He had to be better in the rematch of the great Usman who he beat to get the title in the in the last minute in the fifth round when he caught him with that beautiful setup kick that he set up beautifully, he had to be better in the rematch because Usman is like a Hall of Fame guy, even though he's still fighting uh, and his career's not done. But he he was considered the goat when he did it. That kick by Leon Edwards, what it did to just disrupt the whole course of like the UFC, that title picture. He was getting whitewashed and he comes in with that kick, takes the title. Like you said, he got much better and then he wins easily in the rematch or at least seemingly easy against Usman. Changed the trajectory of both guys' careers. It was such a pivotal moment for so many people. And Usman also, what's interesting here since we're on talking about him, is that he has fought both these fighters. Covington and mm-hmm. Edwards, of course, have both fought Usman. The only difference is Edward is the only guy who has beaten Usman after it looked like he was going to lose in the first... Uh, he did lose the first time. He's fought him three times. Uh, he's now beaten him twice and lost to him once. Edwards with Usman, and of course Covington has fought Usman, he has not beaten him. Again, I think it comes down to Edwards trying to control the pace of the fight. He's going to probably have to hurt Covington with something coming in, because Covington does three things. He comes in, he comes in, and then he comes in more. Um, And he does more than that. Of course, he's very talented on the mat too. But he is such a proud, tough warrior that sometimes he'll forego going onto the mat where he could show his great wrestling skills. He'll forego that just to strike with you to win that way. I don't know. I guess it's a combination of pride, ego, confidence, attitude of a warrior, whatever. But sometimes his judgment is really, his judgment might hurt him a little bit where he's such a he's such a warrior that, as I just said, he'll choose to stand and fight when it might be better to take advantage of going on the mat where he could have an advantage. I think that could be the case here where he's going to have to think about also going to the floor with Edwards and getting some takedowns with Edwards um, to to give himself the best chance to win this fight. At the end of the day, both guys like to strike. Covington makes more mistakes than Edwards does because he takes more risk than Edwards does 
because he's aggressive, as I just said, you know, kidding around before, but obviously I was getting my point across that he has three things that he does. He comes forward, he comes forward, he comes forward. You know, he's got one speed, full speed. And when you have that one speed, obviously you're more prone to errors. I think that's where Edwards has the edge, where he's going to have to be able to get through the storm early and be able to do something, as I said a moment ago, to slow down Covington a little bit, uh, punch at the right distance in between some punches to have the edge on just the great quantity that will come at him the great volume that will come at him from Covington. I think that uh, Covington is famous for his motor, you know, his endurance, that that he don't stop. So most people would say, okay, if he gets past the early rounds, he's got a good chance to get this title in the late rounds. That would be his best chance in the late rounds against Edwards. Um, again, Edwards is... He got 30% better when he won that title. He's got everything going for him. He's got the skills. He's got the technique. And he's got the belief of a champion going for him right now. There's an X factor. I don't know that anyone else could have touched on this. And, of course, those great UFC commentators out there are much greater than Teddy Atlas in this world. Uh, they cover everything. But the one thing that I don't know if anyone would touch on is or think about is that Covington's been gone from the ring a year and nine months. His last fight was a win against Masvidal. And something happened, obviously, during those one year and nine months after that win. Masvidal snuck, there's no other way to say it, but in the street, he went up without Covington seeing him, and he hit him with a sneak punch that really hurt Covington to the point that it was reported that he had brain damage. Uh, he had a brain injury. That's serious. That's significant. He has not been in the ring since that. Is it going to be the same Covington I described a moment ago in this breakdown? Where the you know he's he's nothing but activity, nothing but coming forward, nothing but attack, 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 and endurance, 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 and a great chin, we know, and a great will, or has that been damaged? We don't know. We don't know, and that concerns me. Will he have that same chin? Will he have that same capacity to walk through fire or create fire, if you will? So for me, that, that is something that has to be measured in, this, um, in, this, in the handicapping of this prediction. So at the end of the day, I'm going to go with Edwards. I'm going to go with Edwards. I know what he's going to be. I know what he's become since he's won the title. 
even better. Let me give you the line real quick yeah. and see if that factors into your decision. We got Leon Edwards minus 150, 148. Let's just round it to 150, and you're getting plus 125 on Colby Covington. Covington's experience in title fights, so that's not going to be a problem. I love Covington. Make it clear. I'll say it again. I love Covington. And I might have taken Covington if I didn't mention the X factor that I just touched on in that Masvidal situation on the street after that he won that fight. Um, I'm, I'm going to lay it. I'm, I'm going to lay it. It's, you know, it's... You didn't get up there to two to one, beyond two to one. It's it's a buck fifty you're laying. I'll lay it that the champion keeps his title. Uh and and besides the X factor, I am going, I'm bargaining on he's more concise, he's more laser like, he's more accurate. Um he's got that tremendous kick uh that he sets up with a decoy punch. That, that is really, you know, dangerous and <coughs> difficult to deal with and be prepared for. Covington, I'm sure, will his coaches will have him prepared for it. But he really does a great job of setting that up. Ask Usman about that. He'll tell you. Um, but Covington, I think he probably is going to have to go to the mat maybe to give himself maybe, uh, as I said earlier, a little bit more of a of a chance uh that that kind of you know benefits him to go to the floor to the mat if he can as much as he can but the striking very close but I give an edge to Edwards because his technique is more solid and uh he doesn't waste anything Covington will waste punches, and he can out-hustle you, out-busy you, but he will waste punches to get to you. That's part of what he does. And while he's wasting punches, there is risk, as I said earlier, where a guy who's accurate like Edwards can have an opportunity to land something in between those shots. Is there an under-over on this? I don't see the over-under. Give me a second. I'll look for that. But just as a point of reference, this card is just stacked. I mean, the entire main card is Vincente Luque, Luque versus Ian Machado Gary. Tony Ferguson versus our friend Patty Pimblett. Shakvat Rachmanov against Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And then the co-main, Alexandra Pantoja against Brandon Royval. Yikes, this is like a who's who murderer's row. I think this is one of the best cards of the entire year from start to finish. And I mean, the prelim has some superstars as well. No, it's, Bryce a, Mitchell, it's Josh impressive. Emmett, the main but they the always put good spin. cards on UFC. I mean, that's. I that's, agree, but this one is extra like, whoa. Even yeah, but every time you, you think get, it's extra, whoa, you get whoa, whoa, true. whoa. You know, because that's, <laughs> that's what. Fair. I mean, that's why the brand has grown to a 21 billion dollar brand a combination of course of them joining up uh with uh wwe right wwe that's um, right yep part of it is the merge or the merger of that but still the brand is incredible because of what they put out there on a regular basis i'm glad my son teddy because the fight's out in vegas uh charlie monahan who does a great job with with the ufc directing it putting it together, putting it on TV so we can all enjoy it and see it. Him and his crew do an incredible job 
um, and all the broadcasters, the commentators, every one of them, you know, from from Rogan to DC uh, to Gomez to uh, to Chell to Anthony Smith uh, to I mean uh, Megan, just every one of them. They they do a superlative job, and again, I'm I'm glad that Charlie's going to have my son out there with somebody uh, to watch the fight. I'm I'm glad he's going to be there and enjoy that night because my son, uh, well, he he loves seeing Charlie, but he he loves the UFC too. Well, I may see uh, I may go to this fight. I'm going out to L.A. with my buddy Jelly Roll, and we may shoot over to this. Um, fight in vegas i think he's performing that night so we may go and if we do i'll obviously reach out we'll talk offline and i'll get in touch with teddy and uh introduce him to some of the guys oh, that'd be um, great. i know that they would like to meet teddy no it'd be great any under over or no we don't know yet yep i got an over i got an over under for you uh under four and a half is plus 170 over four and a half is minus 240 yeah listen again it, it makes sense with the track record of Covington, the toughness, Edwards being as good as he is, the champion that he is, is good buttoned up from a defensive standpoint, technically very sound. Uh, both these fighters are well-rounded, can do it in any place. But Covington with that engine, it, it has to figure if it goes, uh, you know, according to those attributes... It has a figure to go rounds and to go late. So that's why I'm going to take the under because I'm going to go against it. I'm going to take the under because they're offering me good money to take it. I'm going to take it because I think that with a dangerous kick like Edwards in there that could come out of nowhere, also was accurate punching, Covington, uh, that X factor, with uh, I haven't seen him, we haven't seen him since that situation with Masvidal out in the street where he got a brain injury. We haven't seen him. I'm, I'm going to say it's worth a shot. They want to offer me what? Plus 180, you said? Is that plus what you 170. Said? They want to offer me plus 170. I hope it goes to distance. I love both these guys, but I'll take a shot at plus 170. Like it. Well, one quick thing, just... Uh, <laughs> Just again on the prelims, the main of the main uh, last fight on the prelims is Josh Josh Emmett and Bryce Mitchell. You've also got Cody Garbrandt and Brian Kelleher. Just on the prelims, I mean, these are friggin' main card fighters for all intents and purposes. So this is a stacked card. It's going to be a fantastic show per usual. Dana White and the UFC coming through, delivering the goods to close out the year. I think. Let me see. I think that that's the last. Um, event of the season but let me just check real quick there might be one more in i mean there's a there's a fight night but in terms of yeah the next um pay-per-view isn't until january 20th and we're getting um sean strickland and um duplices another wow. rumble wow 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 duplices i can't believe he makes that weight he is huge i met him after his fight when he, oh, that's when right. he yeah, shot yeah, the world against whitaker um uh a he he's so big, wow, uh, and and he's so strong, but he's also so smart, you know. Technically solid, he showed that he couldn't have won that fight without the solid technique. It wasn't just about strength, 
and and he's so together mentally. I, I'm I'm impressed with what I saw with him. Uh, and Strickland is so strong. That guy is not just determined, but I mean physically strong. Uh, that should be that should be tremendous. You don't have to look for Strickland. He's right in front of you all night long. The line is tight there. Minus 148, basically minus 150 on Strickland, plus 125 on uh, TDP. Duplicis. The thing about Strickland is really, Duplicis is physically the stronger guy in that matchup, actually. But as, as I get my bearings, but Strickland, he's, he's got the ability to go to those places they all do but to go to those places where he can find a way to go to the tool shed and bring something out like he did uh in that big upset obviously with our guy uh uh izzy you know uh adesanya where he had that just huge upset he could go to the the tool shed and just find what he's got to find and He's going to give you a steady. There's something to be said about a guy who's dependable, who's steady, who's always going to give you a steady. Maybe he's never going to give you the the Nova, Inferno, you know, meteor-like uh, Haley's Comet going across the sky, lighting up the sky for 30 seconds. He's never going to give you that. He doesn't have those kind of abilities, those kind of neon talents. But he's always going to give you a steady professional performance. And if you are if you give a little opening, he's going to find it. If you're a little off, he's going to be on. And he's going to take advantage of it. Because there is something to be said about the talent of being steady, of being dependable, and being smart. And he's got a very accurate jab. He, he found a way to out-jab... Izzy, and Izzy had an off night maybe, but it don't matter. He didn't make no excuses, Izzy. He's not built that way. Obviously, Strickland had a lot to do with Izzy having that off night, but Strickland used his jab surgically that night. And this is a guy against a guy in Izzy who's got not only a great jab, but those great neon talents of speed and athleticism, of instincts, of everything. And Strickland used timing, used an accurate jab and timing, not to outnumber him, outjab him with numbers or outspeed him, but to throw at the right time and make sure he didn't throw at the wrong time. He's got those kind of attributes, Strickland. So you can never count a guy out like that. I I love the police. Um, I would favor him probably. But it's going to be very interesting to see the plan that Strickland will come up with to keep this title that he worked so hard to get. Yeah. Well, Teddy, that was a pretty thorough breakdown here. We covered all the action, um, gave a preview on the upcoming um, UFC card. You got anything else before we say goodbye? No, everybody be safe out there. Do your Christmas shopping and everything else. And um, love the ones that are around you and show the love every day. You never know. You just never know day to day how life can go. So love, love, show love to the ones around you all the time and be the best you can be. That's, uh, that's love more and hate less.
And one quick thing before we go, for the boxing fans out there, if you're looking for some last-minute gifts, consider Teddy's book, Atlas, From the Streets to the Ring, A Son Struggled to Become a Man. There is a picture of it for those watching on YouTube, available on audible.com as well as in Amazon and uh, paperback. You can also go to boxraw.com. Check out the 36 collection, Teddy's custom boxing collection with Box Raw. If you're going to be in the gym boxing, show up in the right apparel. Very few companies out there making quality boxing gear and uh, box raws at the cream of, is the cream of the crop. You can also check out uh, Dynamic Striking for a complete tutorial on all the different elements of boxing. Learn how to throw a jab, a hook, a cross. Everything you need is there. Learn the peekaboo style, etc., etc. Um, those are some great gifts. Uh, Teddy, did I forget anything regarding the gift guide? The official Fight with Teddy Atlas gift guide. Thank you. Appreciate it. Everybody be safe. And uh, as my friend Mikey Kenny would say, who I grew up with, peace and love. <laughs> peace and love. Have a, uh, I hope everyone's having a great holiday season. We'll see you next, next week with a uh, breakdown on this upcoming massive UFC card. Have a good week, guys. Okay.